0: Welcome back to the manga revolution podcast your home for the best in-depth commentary on the latest chapters for ma- manga and anime news so um, with me today is rock how are you rock
1: i'm good kevin glad to be here
0: yeah glad to have you here i'm excited for this episode where we we'll dive full in on the latest chapters for my hero academia uh, Spy X Family, Kaiju Number 8, Dragon Ball Super, and Sakamoto Days, um, and we recently actually did a whole episode on Sakamoto Days, so um introducing this into the rotation, so I'm very excited to get into what the most recent feelings with that manga are, so, but before we get into that, I wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping, you could download the Manga Revolution podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find um, and download podcasts, and then you could also rate it and review as five stars, that we really would appreciate all, all that, um, and love to see all, any feedback, you guys have for us. And you could also find our, our latest reviews on comic books, manga, and then also like our commentary pieces and and news pieces on, um, as well at comicbookrevolution.com And then you could follow myself at KevinL07 on both Twitter and Instagram. And then you could follow the comic Revolution at CB Revolution and the Manga Revolution podcast at the Manga Podcast. Rock, where could we find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rock2K's Revolution and on Instagram at Rock2K's Revolution. Awesome.
0: Well, and now before we get into our manga discussions, I wanted to actually do a little special segment here that I wanted to introduce starting with this episode is our anime corner um, so that we could start talking about some anime. And this week, actually, the topic for this will be uh, Star Wars Visions because we just had a, a new trailer come out for um, the Star Wars Visions project that Disney is going to be releasing on their Disney Plus pat- platform that's going to uh, bring together seven different anime studios. Uh, to work on standalone episodes um, that will all be releasing on September 22nd, which is great. Um, I'm very, very excited for this, and especially because they're going to be releasing all nine episodes on one day. It will be a good binge watch for that weekend. So, um, Rock, what did you think of the uh, of the news and then just the, tra- the trailer overall?
1: I've been waiting for something like this, so the news got me excited that they're going to drop the entire season of episodes at one time. That is completely opposite of how Disney Plus has been operating up until now, which I'm thrilled they are because this is not a traditional ongoing TV show. These are nine mini films or short films unrelated to each other other than that they're in the same Star Wars universe. So I like that they're just dropping them all at the same time. That's great. I mean, the trailer, Kevin, what is there to say? It's gorgeous. And to no surprise, because Disney was smart enough to hire really talented anime studios to make these short films. So I had, once you see a list of who's making these films, zero surprise that they look as good as they do. The trailer is beautiful.
0: Yeah, and um, just for people that might not be aware, we, um, there's actually seven different studios that are going to be working on these nine episodes. Each one will be working on their own individual episode, except for two studios. And um, we'll be working on two episodes. Uh, so the studios actually are Kamikaze Doga, which is the anime studio best known for Jojo Bizarre Adventure, and then Batman Ninja. Um, so they're, they're going to be doing one episode. Uh, Geno Studios is going to be also doing one episode, and they're probably best known for Golden Kamui. Um, and then Studio Colorido um, is do- also doing an episode and they're kind of best known for uh, the Burn the Witch um, animated movie. And then also a couple episodes of the Pokemon Twilight Wishes um, web series and also um, A Whisker Away. And then we have Studio Trigger. Um, they'll be actually doing two episodes and they're best known for, obviously, Kill a Kill, Darlene in the Franks, L- uh, Little Witch Academy, and quadruple s uh grind band. so and then there's also going to be kinema uh, citrus which is going to be doing an ep- one episode and they're best known for uh the rising Sh- uh shield hero and-, and black bullet then there's also science saru uh who's doing two episodes and they're they are they have done a couple of th- different random things like uh they've did an episode of adventure call adventure time called food chain and then they did a couple episodes of space D- dandy and they they also did the uh, a yokai watch uh movie and then we have pr- product production I, ig which uh is going to be doing one episode and they're best known for you um psychopaths and the Ghost in the Shell series so so yeah so those seven studios will be working on an episode and the great thing for this i think for um is that disney is giving these studios free reign to do whatever kind of they want at least that's what yes. i get from from the trailers that they're not going to be playing in the star wars continuity they're just gonna oh. be like they're going to have their own universes with each episode from what it looks like. There's like an episode where it's going to be samurai time. There's a, a, another episode where it looks like they're kind of going to be uh, like, I think what the studio trigger ep- one of the studio trigger episodes is going to be like kind of almost a retelling of the Luke and Leia story, but they're mm-hmm. like with twins, but they're going to be doing mm-hmm. something completely different. The characters aren't called aren't named Luke and Leia. Um, so again, I think that's the most exciting thing for me is that they're just like, they understand, Hey, these anime studios are incredibly talented. let We'll give them the basically the Star Wars license. Do whatever you guys want, and and I think that 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 is super awesome because again, just kind of giving that freedom. We'll just let let these anime uh, studios go wild with with the idea of like lightsabers, the force, and stuff like that.
1: I totally agree. Look, I'm in the camp. Uh, I'm in the camp of Lucasfilm under Disney has largely sucked outside of the Mandalorian. I have not liked anything Disney has done with stars Star of the Mandalorian. So me, this kind of fan. Super excited that it's not <laughs> Disney, it's not Lucasfilm, it is a bunch of anime studios that I really respect, and so that's why I'm pumped for it. And you look at it's I'm sure I'm gonna love all these episodes, but looking at the little synopsis, there are a couple that hop out to me. Kevin, how can you not be excited about episode one? When the synopsis is following a former Sith who goes by the name Ronin, otherwise known as a wandering Samurai. What that sounds awesome! And then you go to episode two, Kevin just the first sentence of the synopsis. Ocho is a part of a space Yakuza family done. Don't need to say any more done. I'm already in it. Uh, and the third episode, Kevin described as a rock opera. Say no more. Yeah. Say no. They call it Tatooine Rhapsody. Say no more. It's going to include Jabba the Hutt and the Boba Fett. This sounds just what awesome is what it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and that's what I really like about this because I would say like the star the Star Wars movies under Disney, uh, they're like le- love love it or leave it kind of thing for me. I, yep. I enjoyed Force Awakens. I didn't enjoy uh, the Last Jedi. Rise nope. of Skywalker. I'm mixed on. To, to yep. be honest, like there, there's a lot of parts parts I, I did enjoy, some parts right. I didn't. But I, I definitely um, and then, but I I would say that Disney has done a good job with the TV aspect of Star Wars, where yes. with like with Reb- Rebels, um, Bad yep. Batch. Rebels and, been great. Yeah and bad bad batch is really good too yep. um and so again i think that they've got got the star wars tv nailed down it's just the star wars mm-hmm. movies for um, that they still have to figure out but um hopefully like just tapping into these like anime studios i think is awesome just because again yeah. like i said it's just but um they're they're just giving these guys free reign to do whatever they want and and that's what i enjoy too like it's kind of like what we enjoy about like these like what if like, what if, like, with Marvel is also, like, great, because they're they're taking a chance. They're going to be like, yep. this isn't going to be, we they know that this isn't going to be for everybody, but it's going to be for the hardcore fans. And it, it's moves like, moves like this that actually ingratiate me as a Star Wars fan into what Disney is trying to do with these properties. Like, just because, again, they're going to, they understand, hey, this isn't going to be for everybody, but but it, it's so cool that maybe it'll attract people that don't normally watch anime. I,
1: I think you have a good chance of, like what you just said, attracting a certain audience that is hesitant to watch anime but i think you'll also attract a certain audience kevin who probably aren't into star wars at all yeah but like anime or aren't into star wars but think this looks cool Mm -hmm. you'll attract them as well so i think it's it's just a it's just a win-win in my book if this isn't a big success kevin then I, man i don't know anything anymore <laughs> yeah and
0: like like obviously like i think the big one was like studio trigger like seeing the studio triggers yeah. anime style like with uh, uh killer kill and darling in the franks that is the biggest things that i think broke out into the in terms of like mainstream cuz like i know what kim kardashian and, and uh, others have uh <laughs> have talked about those um yeah, i mean yeah. so they they've kind of broken out to like more mainstream appeal so i think they're and and we've seen it that anime it has become much more popular in the states as well oh. so and, yeah. also, and then the other thing, big thing for this is that they're actually going to be releasing the English and Japanese dubs at the same time. So, which is great. that yep. They're not going to like, so, uh, so they're going to be tapping in for people that want to just watch this in the in Japanese or English. If that's how you watch anime, I think that's a great choice too, because again, mm-hmm. they could have easily just dropped one or the other, but because they're dropping two, So that, again, people, however you like to watch your anime, you, you kind of got your options there as well. Um,
1: and I find yeah find it interesting that it's all <laughs> you've got it directed all these episodes are directed all by uh you know some well known Japanese directors, but there is one exception Kevin there is one exception: one mm. of these short films will be directed. By Abel Gongora from Valencia, Spain. What that's right, sneaking in there with all the Japanese directors. I like that, <laughs> yeah. And, and and he's obviously done stuff with them, uh, with yes.
0: uh, the studio that he's worked with because he, I think, he also was the director for um, uh, for the yokai Watch that they did, huh? and then a couple yep. other stuff. So the, he's, he has anime experience. So even though he, has, oh, yeah, even oh, though he's yeah. Spanish, he does have that. Oh yeah, anime background. So, Absolutely. and and the and the other cool thing is that they also got like famous voice actors for in both yes. clubs, in Japan as well. So yep. like, I think when you when you tap into that market too, I think the other big thing is that the voice actors are celebrities there as well, and like tapping into that kind of market as well to further get into or, like what's so crazy about like Star Wars Vision and that we're actually getting it is that Disney is actually making the right choices of like yep. let's get the most the best oh, yeah. voice actors in Japan and then in, in here in the United States, they've got a huge um, actors as well that are people will know, like Lucy Liu, Joseph Gordon Levitt, mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris, mm-hmm. and all, all these other big name actors um, that into like work on each episode. So again, I think it's just a win in for Disney, and I, I think again, like they're doing, taking chances with Star Wars and like Marvel now, with yep. like they're doing with What If on on Marvel side, and I, I like I like that just because again, just just get weird with it like. The, this mm-hmm. is the, all these things are supposed to be fun and just have like let let animation
1: studios go go wild with what what agreed, agreed. they and have. Looking at the cast, because you're right, the Japanese cast they they spared no expense getting every Japanese voice actor they could get, big name, and the and the American uh, English version is is equally impressive with the names. But I got to make my oblig- obligatory Kinnikuman reference every podcast, Kevin. And in the Tatooine Rhapsody episode. The voice actor, Mark Thompson, who plays the character Lan, also was Kaniku Montaro in the Ultimate Muscle anime. There you go. So there's my obligatory Kanikuman reference. <laughs> I knew you would find, so- or you would find something that to- just there for to drop Kanikuman
0: uh, in every episode. So any chance you get, right? Yeah, I will. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, again, that, that, again, it's just all super exciting and I love that we're getting Star Wars anime, basically. And yeah. it isn't when I saw the, that first trailer, it was nothing that I expected when uh, Disney cool. announced Star Wars Visions at all. I thought it was going to be like right. a couple episodes of, of like uh, anim, of anime style but and then some American and other maybe styles. But I'm glad that they just went all in on just the anime thing and kind of possibly tapping into like, oh, Star Wars Visions could be, we, we could tap into each season being something like from other countries, like animation yep. styles, not just the Absolutely. United States. So. Yeah which is great i think that would that would be awesome to see like oh, oh yeah if we see other countries like uh i know paris or like france it, ha- it does a lot of animation yes and, and spain and stuff like that and again it's, it's not a bad bad thing to like yep. also expose like the american audiences especially who who have disney plus to all, all the different animation forms that is not the united states
1: agreed so
0: um Again, uh, super exciting, and so uh, again, that will be wrap up our anime corner there, and we'll be doing more stuff. Like we'll be talking about um, different animes we're watching in the future and stuff like that as, as the
1: seasons go on.
0: Maybe but, something
1: uh, like God of High School, Kevin. Yes, sorry,
0: we definitely want to <laughs> definitely want to go into a full discussion on that one because I know that <laughs> we both watch that, so we'll definitely. I think that that could be a podcast on itself. So yeah, amen. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so let's get into what we're going to be discussing this week, which is going to be uh, the latest chapters that have come out. And first manga we'll be tackling is My Hero Academia that released their chapters 321 through t- 324 this uh, month. And so these chapters are basically continuing the fight between Class A and and Deku. Um, Deku is trying to do his best to escape, and he actually is able to... Um, we start off with Deku in in Tadoro Oki's Ice Wall, and he's actually uses the, his uh, faux 100% uh, one-for-all move to quickly dash away from the uh, rest of Class A. They're not able to keep up with him at all. Even Ida has a tough time. Uh, so they decide we got to combine all our powers. They do the ice ramp move that um, Deku actually taught them during the hideout raid arc, that um, plan that he had um, to save Bakugo. And so they use that. Everybody com- Basically, it's combining their-, their powers together as they think about Deku and how they want to save him and and then uh, Bakugo is the last one to give uh, Ida the last boost that he needs to speed in, sp- speed fast enough to get to deku and reach reach out to him and I- Ida mentions to him hey we-, we are here for you we're your friends kind of just reminding him of how much he means to them and izuku finally like having overtaxed his powers and just like way too exhausted to like um uh break away from Ida's grip just kind of Let's all the emo- every all everything set into himself and just kind of allows himself to um, be caught by Ida and um, they hit the ground with with uh, Kirishima saving them so that they don't they, they don't get injured from the fall um, and then the rest of this class A tells Deku hey you mean so much to us again just reemphasizing that he is their friend that they that they have built this great, uh, strong bond and they don't want him to do it all on him on his own um with bakugo kind of giving that final push where he finally admits um that he he is sorry for how he's treated deku in the past and he actually apologizes to him and this is the where we get for the very first time in this series at at the very least that he calls deku by his name of izuku midoriya again we haven't seen this before so it is a big deal and and he bows his head to to uh, izuku as part of his apology and hearing all this and with having overtaxed his power, Izuku just kind of just finally collapses. Bakugo catches him before he hits the ground. And um, then we see that Izuku uh, wakes up, he's in a kind of delivery truck with, um, with 13. And we actually see 13 for the first time, her, her unmasked face without her powers activated. Um, so, um, And she kind of lets uh, Deku know her, of uh, how, how UA High School has been fortified. And we also learned that principal Nezu has actually invested his own money to make UA High School into basically a mobile fortress that if a villain attacks, th- they could basically transport uh, UA High School, lift it up and and have it go somewhere else. So that way the villains can attack or make, make it very difficult for the villains to get, get their own, um, like, un- unlike the villain invasion art that, at the beginning of the series. Um, but as soon as De- uh, Izuku and the rest of Class A make it into the way High School, unfortunately for them, they are met by a, a massive amount of protesters that do not want Izuku um to be be there because even though they don't know that he's all he has the um one for all powers, they do believe because he's been out there, he's like the only student that hasn't been here the entire time that he is who um Tomoro and all for one are after. So so they do not want him to they be there because they feel like he's a threat and he's gonna bring bring all the villains to attack them. So um Izuku hears all this and once again he believes that he needs to walk out he he starts walking out but um, Ochako Uraraka, um stops him and she she is determined to keep him there so that um, that he does not run away from them again so she actually jumps jumps up onto the roof of the tallest building gets a microphone and says remembering everything that that of her inspiration for being a hero and why she wants to be a hero tells everybody in the crowd that hey izuku has been fighting out there for for everybody and you you could tell from like how dirty he is how grimy he is and just like how tired he looks that he just needs to rest and and ua high school can provide him that that rest and that they um they understand that they understand that the civilians are are scared of like the villains and stuff but they they need to help Izuku at this moment because that's what heroes do and that they're not going to they're not trying to put this weight on the civilians but they are trying to just help Izuku because again he's way too exhausted he's going to basically kill himself, but if he continues the way he is, um, and UA High School is the opportunity for him to get that rest that he needs, clean up, and stuff like that, so that he could continue being the hero that he needs to be, along with all the other pro heroes, um, and this kind of settles the crowd down a little bit, and he, at the same time, Izuku is also listening into this, and he finally realizes that this is not just his story of becoming the greatest hero, but also his friend's story of becoming the greatest hero, and he start, he collapses to the ground, and um, with Koroizumi Izumi and the woman that he saved back in chapter 310, come in and check on him. Check on him and that's kind of where we le- leave off the most recent chapter, which is chapter 324. Um, so, Rock, what did you think of these last uh, couple chapters of My Hero Academia for this month?
1: I thought they were solid, a, a, a bit of a mixed bag for me, some, some real highs and some shoulder shrug moments. Uh, I, let's focus on the positives, as always, first. I loved the scene between uh, Deku and uh, Bakugo. That was fantastic. And it's a long time coming. Long time readers, we have been waiting and waiting and waiting some more for this moment. And I think that Horikoshi really paid it off well. Horikoshi's made us wait a long time for this, Kevin. I mean, a long time. But he delivered it perfectly. And this is exactly how I wanted this moment to go. It wasn't a private moment. It was one out in public in front of all the, the classmates for everyone to see. So it's not just that Bakugo could could have this apology, to have this admission to Deku behind closed doors. He did it in front of Everyone, which makes it even more of a powerful moment because we know how prideful Bakugo is and how up until now, Kevin, we've seen how time and time again, he doesn't want to admit weakness. He doesn't want to admit that he's ever wrong. He doesn't want to ever ask for help. He doesn't. I mean, pridefulness is his big sin, right? And to do this in public in front of all the classmates made this even more powerful. And this was not just a wonderful emotional moment for the reader, a big payoff moment, but this is also a huge character moment for Bakugo's character. I mean, a really big moment for his character where he really took another step into becoming more of a fully fleshed out character with a little bit more nuance to his personality this moment for me out of all these chapters that we read uh, uh, this out of these four chapters i thought this was the best moment this is the moment that stood out the most to me and that really touched me this was my high mark for these four chapters
0: yeah so i think that that what made that moment even better was that um or Koshi also was drawing them so that you see the different eight stages of their yes. life together. So like yes. we go back from elementary school and then mm-hmm. like, as Baku goes talking as well, of like this entire time together of like their entire relationship, basically of going from Bakugo hating Deku and Deku trying yes. to be friends and even him giving the Deku name and then <laughs> kind of building up to that moment where he finally calls Deku by his first, by his full name of Izuku Midori, I think, it was all just a nice build on top of each other. I think that this is where I feel like even more so the art added so much to, yes. to that, that moment, just because again, seeing that, it, it does remind also the reader of how far both these characters have come because with Izuku he's kind of morphed into more of a solo character by this point okay. in, in the series um, because he's taking on all that weight, whereas with Bakugo, he's gone from being this loner guy that thinks that he is the best, he has the superiority complex when we see him now starting to thanks to interacting with Izuku Midori and just the rest of class class of a and actually getting friends that are kind of his equals, and he starts to see everybody as his equals yeah. and I think that it just kind of speaks to him like now realizing hey everybody is my equal even though maybe I started off here as the strong as the strongest more most yep. like well-rounded in terms of how I use my powers everybody else has grown as well like to be my level and he's not seeing himself as just a as the very best, even though he still believe he still probably believes that he, yeah, is the be- yeah. he, he believes it, but at least he's not seen everybody else has below him anymore.
1: Agreed. Uh, uh, that was a big aspect of chapters third, uh, 321 and 322 was seeing Izuku finally kind of admit that, man, it's not just the Deku show, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the whole team and all of his classmates are just as important as he is. It, it's almost like Izuku got a little egocentric, a little yeah. self-centered. You yeah. know, yeah, and I and think not, it grew- not in a negative, not in a horrible way, but you know what I mean. It, 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 even it, though he it had was, good intentions, it all kind of went back to kind of one of the big
0: things that has been standing out. This entire story arc has been how much All For One is impacting the entire story of right because yeah. we see that he want this is what he wanted for Izuku to believe that it was just his show. It was just he's the only one that could stop all for one because kind of going back to how he treated his brother back in the day, the first um, one for all user, he wanted his brother to feel like he is by himself. He has no one to turn to. And, but, and just going back to, I think the big message of this entire series has just been like, you do need somebody to reach out to you and Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm here to help you. And Mm -hmm. we saw that with, all for one's brother, and we see this with Izuku Midoriya, where he got mm-hmm. to a point where he was so I, he isolated himself from all his friends and everything, and and he felt like he's the only one that could do this, that no one yep. else could stop All for One, but that and that is all, what All for One really wanted. We know that with how he treated even Tomoichi Shigaraki, he wants Tomoro to believe that the power of All for One and the, and everything that all his training that he's providing providing him is the only thing that he can turn to, like because Nana. Nana um, left his family and then how his family, even his parents and sister and everybody treated him. He should be lonely and that he, the only person that he could trust is all for one. He kind of did the same thing with um, Izuku, especially during that um, chapter where they met at the mansion and his whole speech was basically that. And you could tell that Izuku was believing that even like with how he was breaking free from like class A. And I think that was the other cool thing was that, um we kind of continue to see that Deku has really become powerful. Cause even though he's in his tired state, yeah, he, he was still able to pull off a move with his foe uh, 100% that all his, all his classmates had to team up to catch yeah. up to him. So like, we still see that he is a powerful character he's, and even in his tired state, he was able to do this. Like we're just kind of going back into like how Deku has become yep. really strong. Um, But at the same time, it just kind of shows that he was overtaxing himself. And I like that. Um, that was part of the story of like, even when how Ida saved him or got to him was that Izuka was just exhausted at that point. And kind of yeah. because of that exhaustion, it, it allowed all the words that his friends were telling him to finally actually set in. Cause if he was probably like at full health and everything, everything that he was, that his friends were telling him would have bounced off him and he would <laughs> continued down the road that he was, he was going. yeah, yeah. So I think like, again, Horikoshi just doing a lot of smart story decisions of like, why, like, he, all the words mattered even more because again, Deku was in such a bad state that he ne- it, it was everything that he needed to hear, and at a very crucial time because he was really just about to kill himself basically if he continued the way he was going. Yeah,
1: yep, agreed. Uh-huh. And the, the other thing, that, the only other thing that I really enjoyed out of these four chapters, I guess, really, when you're looking at chapters 30, 323 and 324, I loved in 323 the entire wild concept of ua's school being able to essentially he shows you the whole grounds for the school and it's kind of like partitioned like a board game and they can each section of the school can slide down individual uh linear maglev networks Mm -hmm. where they can then be moved to a different location it is such a crazy over the top and totally cool concept It's this is why I like manga so much. They give you really crazy stuff like this. Mm. And they don't try to give you a bunch of pseudoscience. They don't try to explain it. They don't try to get you to understand. They just go, look, it's a cool idea. Go with it. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go with it. Now, this is maybe where we differ
0: a little bit is, too, is that I think they do try and explain it with Principal Nezi where he over explains it, kind of building everybody's confidence of why, like, they should believe the security system. Right. Even though this is the, really the first time we see UA High School so fortified because, yes. and yes. this is just kind of going back to the time skip angle of this, where we it's really been a, only a month or two since we last saw UA High School or something like that. Yeah.
1: So yeah. it's kind
0: of just kind of, it, it feels like it's all happened too fast and we never saw this before or like that it was being built up in previous chapters. And I would have wish that we yep. kind of saw that because the only thing we've seen up to this point before kind of this mini time skip was the, the wall, like the wall around UA high school. And yep, now it just right. like, it's like, it's like a complete fortress basically. And it's, uh-huh. it's so weird. It just feels like all kind of rushed together.
1: Just it because It actually like, happened out of yeah, nowhere. So, <laughs> yeah, and, like, it, it, and,
0: and that and that's kind of the whole entire thing with like Principal Nezu's speech. I was like, this is just so out of nowhere. We haven't really seen Principal Nezu even that much in this series as well. Like, I haven't seen him in uh, forever. Yeah. So it just feels like, he, there are this is a plot element that he just needed to rush along yes it was oh, so that, absolutely so that that's where it just kind of didn't hit hit for me as well. I think this is really where my negative comes in for this these mm-hmm. chapters that we had is principal Nazu's role in, in all this it just like his role just kind of feels completely rushed into, this entire time
1: it is I like uh, the I like the idea of the linear yeah. maglev I like oh that yeah idea. but you're right the execution of it was terrible. It's yeah. incredibly rushed. It comes out of nowhere. It seems like how did you do I think the problem is that Horikoshi's like, oh, okay, I need to set in place all this defense systems, but i but I've totally forgotten to address u a over the past couple of months. And so he just hits the fast forward button. And he realized and I think he
0: also again, I guess we're talking about negatives a little bit. Um just my one really yeah. other negative for this issue uh, these chapters for for myself is. He he went back to the flashbacks a little bit too much in this, where yes, he, did. he did it one too many times. Where we had the, the cool moment of like mm-hmm. Class A confronting Endeavor, and yep. I thought that that that's the that's the last flashback we should have. But then he went back to it so that he could explain the fort, fortification of UA High School. And I thought yep. when we got that additional flashback, we got a lot of repetition in terms of Tanya Ida and and the Class A talking about again they need to save Izuku, and then Principal Nezu coming in to yep. talk about how he's fortified and. It felt like a little Mm -hmm. too too much of a reliance on flashbacks to to tell the story of of what's going on right now and why UA High School is in the state it is, and it just felt like over explanation. Like we just we didn't need that last flashback at all. Oh, like we we could have we could (laughs) have got and we could have easily gotten what Principal Nezu about the fortification in the presence, where like when Izuku goes to meet with him, we could have gotten him uh, Principal Nezu reassuring Deku, hey, don't worry about it. We have your protection. We'll. This is what we've yep. done, and we could have gotten that same scene in the present, but we have to get it in a flashback form. Where I was just like, it, using too many flashbacks in this story arc already. So like, I agree. We already, we, we already had it enough with when we had Class A. It was yep. incredibly inf- effective, in and I believe what was it, chapter uh, three twenty one, three twenty two, when we saw that flashback of that, mm-hmm. and we didn't need it again. We just did. We, we I, I felt like we, we did, did it. So again, that, yeah. That when I read
1: three twenty three, I was like, oh my god, why are we talking about how we have to go back and save Deku? We are. We did that already. In the past two yeah. chapters. Why, yeah. why? Why am I reading this again? <laughs> yeah. So
0: again, it just felt. Again, it just felt a little too much. But on, on going back to a little bit to the positive, where the other thing I did like was how my Hero Academia has. Again, we've talked about this too. Is that the big thing that we love about this series is the cast? It's not just Izuku Midoriya as as the as the main main character, but it is the entire cast of this series. That it is incredibly important that it is Class A that brought Izuku back. It wasn't all for one, or one for all, I'm sorry, uh, um, or any of the other pro heroes that brought him back to um, UA High School. But but it was class A. It was his friends that brought him back. And um, and then just Ochako Uraraka get, finally getting her big moment in this of like that big speech of her. We see mm-hmm. kind of the evolution of her character as well in this, where that kind of speech is just going back to, she's gone a hero's journey of, she originally wanted to become a hero because she wanted to, um, mm-hmm provide for her family because again that that is a very noble thing to do you want to pro, pro hero like pro heroes they were providing for a family and kind of she was kind of a summary of why most people became pro heroes was just for for them kind of the money aspect of thing and and the fame yep. but yep. we seen that like especially with Chaco Arraka as like one of the leads of this series she's grown to become just a regular like a pro hero that you she the, can inspire people and that she she went through that experience th- during the the raid arc and and other other story arcs throughout this along with izuku midoriya that she's grown into seeing that oh to be a hero you need to inspire people i need to be save people and make sure i'm protecting people and she saw that her her best basically best friend at school needed that like she he she needed he needed uh, to know that his friends are there for him and then that speech kind of provided that along with talking talking down to protesters of like hey um we understand that you guys are um, feel in danger because of the villains. All the villains are rising and things like that, but we're not trying to put you guys in danger. What we're just doing is we're protecting our friend and we're just giving him time to rest. We're not like putting you guys in danger. That is not what we're doing. And if something happens, we are going to protect you. And I thought that was awesome that we finally saw that girl for Uraraka that, um, and, um and yeah, and just, super super cool for me just because I I do like her character and her growth overall in the series as well.
1: Yep, I I like I'm, again, I'm a little conflicted here. I like what Horikoshi did with Ochako in chapters 323 and 324. I liked it. I liked getting to see what is inspiring her to be a hero. I like that she had a moment to really be there for Azuku and to be his champion and to support him. I, I like the character growth with her character. What I didn't like is we got it for about 10 pages in chapter 323. And then we got it again, the same thing for another 17 pages in chapter 324. And I was like, is Horikoshi just stalling for time does this guy just you know need a break does he need to catch his breath because it really it really felt like you're just at this point you're just stalling like it's one of the few moments where I really felt like okay this guy's just kind of hitting the pause button for a while he needs to take a breath he needs to catch his breath
0: and I I kind of agree with you a little bit there and I think it also is because these last chapters I would say is some of the best art art that we've had in my hero even throughout this entire speech too. like You could kind of see his art grow, and I think it was more so a case for me that the art spoke more so than the dialogue, too, because it was very much like, this is really, like, even though we didn't get, like, super big action like we got with Lady Nagat, right? um, like, you could tell, like, from the expressions he wanted really this this to be about, like, you've seen how how angry the protesters are, which is another aspect I liked about this, is that If I was a civilian in this world, I would be angry that Izuku is also here because he's like, why are you bringing this outsider? (laughs) He hasn't been he hasn't been here, even if I don't know that he's one for all or has 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 that power. You are they are bringing someone in that has been out out there. There's rumors about him and and just being like this kind of almost like demonic kind of looking person that has other people running away from him. So people have been hearing about this. So even if they don't know that about one for all, they know that he's been out there and fighting villains so he's going to attract villains and i like that at least as a civilian the civilians part of it is like you could totally understand why they would be mad that they're putting themselves they're they already they just left their house they left everything they know and to come to the shelter because they were promised safety and now you're bringing somebody that is going to kind of almost ruin that safety because like tomorrow and awful one are targeting them so i i understand it from the civilian side of things and that, that that's why I, I did like the ochako moment because again
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it just made made all that emph- emphasizing that she did really need to talk this long for them because she, everybody needed this type of convincing. So that's why it didn't bother me too much that we yep. had this big, big of a speech and how long the speech went on, because we also needed to see all the different characters that Izuku touched, like Ko- we saw Koda and the woman that he saved in chapter three to 10. Mm-hmm. And then we also saw Izuku's mom and we saw uh, uh, like the pro heroes that were there. So I think there was a lot of shots where he wanted the artwork to speak for itself more so than the dialogue
1: yeah yep yep Uh, the art is fantastic i will agree the art is fantastic and look if if horikoshi has to drag his feet with the story because he's focusing so much on the artwork i can live with that not i don't want that on a regular basis now if it's this kind of pacing i don't want this kind of pacing going forward consistently but there is no doubt he has really stepped it up a notch with the artwork and even though there was very there's zero action zero action uh in in three of these four chapters the artwork is powerful and phenomenal you don't need to have action to have great artwork and this is proof of it the artwork the emotion is palpable it is very intense it draws you in deeply the artwork is incredible
0: yeah and i think the other thing that just makes me it just makes me more excited for what's going to happen next in this series be, just because we don't know now, like where, where everything stands in right. with the villains and everything like that, because we haven't really seen the villain side of things as no, much as yeah. we were seeing previously. So now we're kind of in this interesting spot where Izuku is finally getting able to rest. Are we going to get back to the villains, or are we going to are we going to see more yep. of like kind of just the world in general? Um, just mm-hmm. because we're back to UA High School again, so are we going to get UA High School stuff um, with because we, we, there was also the thing that Class A hasn't advanced to the next year yet. Right. Um, so. So there's things, little things like that. Where are they gonna become class two A now, finally? Because we know that what was it the other school with, um, those students advanced with uh, that they met at the licensing exam. I wanna, I wanna say a shint. the guy that uses the tremor powers and stuff. Yes, I, I, yeah, I know I, I, who you're talking about. Sorry, there's so many characters in this series I, that I, I know. I, I it's I, it's a huge to...
1: roster of characters.
0: <laughs> so, but but yeah, so like we saw that they actually went to the third year because they were second years before during the licensing exam. But they became third years by the time we saw them again in chapter, I believe, when uh, the, the first chapter of the time skip. So right. Um. So we know that they should be in class two A. So it'll be interesting to see if they do because we also know that. Um, He's still, he raised her head. He lost his leg. I think he's still in the hospital and stuff like that. So we don't know mm-hmm. what the structure of class of, of UA High School as a school itself is because they, it's become a fortress. And so it's going to be interesting to see if we are going to get kind of a look into how all the students are still kind of, are they learning? Are they not? Are they just full-time heroes now? So there's still a lot of questions yep. to be answered. Um, in the following chapters, and it'll be interesting to see if we continue kind of getting more set up ch- chapters of like, because we've only been basically exploring this world through Izuku's adventures of fighting Lady Nagat and all the other villains. So this will be probably, we're going to get some calm ep- chapters to kind of more set up the world. And that's, at least that's what I feel. And I, I wouldn't mind it because there's a lot
1: to to address. Personally, I hope we get more UA-centered, UA centered, UA universe and world-centered stories i like the setting i find it to be interesting so i hope we get more of that in the upcoming chapters and i hope we get more of class 1a and if they become 2a class 2a but core roster stories where we go back to having the full roster of characters again i might be in the minority but for me my hero academia it's appeal to me at least personally is a lot like the appeal of Legion of Superheroes, and it is the large roster of characters yeah. and how they interact with each other. That's what draws me in. That's what I like the most. So and it just became the Deku show. Don't get me wrong, it was still good, but my excitement did take a bit of a dip because of what I personally am attracted to about the title initially. You know. So if we go back to that, I would be really excited.
0: Yeah, because then we also have like other characters that we haven't seen in a while, like Lamillion and his and his class as well, who pro- are, are by this one would have graduated, too. So there's a lot of characters. Are you forgetting
1: the mightiest hero of them all? Are you forgetting Minoru Mineta? Please, <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. What is he up to?
0: <laughs> and then that was another big moment in this is like kind of him. And- kind of admitting that he loves Deku too which is an interesting thing I was not expecting uh, right. in, in, in that I was just like oh so again <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a translation thing or because it right. kind of looked like he was kind of op- really opening himself up that he right he loves that de- Deku but so it's gonna be interesting <laughs> to see if like again are they going to kind of treat uh, Mineta as a as a bisexual character kind of moving forward or is, was it a, just a translation thing of like because again, translations can be different and
1: different translations words. Translations can, be, can be, be funky sometimes, but, can't they?
0: <laughs> but again, I'm, I'm not sure if that that's how they were treated. That's kind of how I read it, and I know right. a lot of people online read it as maybe him his character become bisexual, which hopefully, because he was a little, he was way too horny of a character for for my my taste.
2: I uh, love
0: I, that about him. He's a <laughs> perv. Yeah. He- he, he they, they went a little too far. It went a little too far with that being the only aspect of his character for a long time. So that was that's been like a big thing for me is that it, it, like he, they went he's Horikoshi kinda has gone a little too far where there hasn't been any other character developed for for him outside of like he's super pervy and he just gets increasingly pervy as we see him. So it'll
1: be you know, interesting are people it, like that, Kevin, who are just I, creepy pervs. I, I yeah, yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess so.
0: I guess so. I guess so but, um but yeah it's gonna be interesting if they if, if Horikoshi wants to do that because again he has set up a lot of in, yep. uh, character arcs in in oh, this yeah. with just the rest of class a because i know that yep. um mina also got kind of like addressing how she got impacted by uh um uh midnight's death as well and you kind of got that with, with her like her speech to deku and then kirishima talking about how how he going back to the fir- very first chapter of like mm-hmm. how he was very much inspired by hearing that somebody would outpower would save his friend and and then he knows that it was Izuku from like meeting Izuku and like again there's a lot of little character moments outside of the forecast oh, yeah. of Uraraka, Izuku, Bakugo and Tenya Iida I think every character in class A had a very cool moment and and kind of just going back to what Izuku said of like this is not my story of becoming the greatest hero. It's our story of becoming the greatest heroes for, for the world. And I thought it was a cool message of saying, because we've heard from the beginning of the series that, um, that, uh, that you're saying, oh, this is the, my story of becoming the greatest hero of the world. And now it's kind of morphing into about the rest of his class.
1: Yep. Agreed. It's, it should be interesting where we go for it. I think, I think we're in, in store for some good chapters coming up.
0: Yeah. So, um, what would you rate the uh, My Hero Chap- Academy as uh, chapters 321 and 324?
1: It's going to be so hard for me. The gosh, the first two chapters, I would give nine to. The second two chapters kind of drug for me and pulled it down. So, I'm going to go with seven Nitrals out of 10 for the story and nine Nitrals out of 10 for the art.
0: Okay. Yeah I'll rate it a little bit higher I, I enjoyed it overall and I think this is really where I see Horikoshi stepping up his game and, and artwork side of things especially and I think it really drove home I know there's some repetitive aspects with the flashbacks I think was the things that uh, caught, caught my eye in terms of the things I didn't like too much because he went back to it a, one too many times but outside of that I greatly I enjoy how like we're seeing the rest of Class A step up so um, I would give this these chapters uh, a little bit higher grade of uh, story for uh, eight, eight night girls out of ten and and uh, artwork nine night girls out of ten for overall eight and a half again overall enjoyable and I'm glad that we're getting the all the, the entire cast back together it's not no longer that easy gumidoria show anymore yep <laughs> so, um, and so like the next um, manga that we're gonna be talking about it is gonna be Spy X Family that unfortunately only released one chapter <laughs> well I wish we had an, at least one more chapter I know we had a point uh, 51.1 that released which was more a side story yeah but th- that wasn't enough for me I wanted it. more chapters, but yeah. I totally understand again take your time with, with everything but we did get a chapter of Spy X Family this this month and really it's just a continuation of the um, story with you're protecting Oka Gretcher from assassins that are attacking them on the cruise ship so while in chapters. 51. While Anya and Lloyd are enjoying the fireworks ceremony that's happening at the on the cruise ship, um, Yor's boss tells tells her that they're going to use the fireworks as a cover for um, them to get Oka to the extraction point, and so Yor is tasked with getting Oka and and her son um, to to the extraction point. But as they they go along, um, several assassins find them, and so Yor has to fight off an sniper. She has to fight off another assassin, which gives the other assassins time to basically corner um, your Oka, and the others. Um, so basically it leaves Yor in a situation where she has to fight an army of assassins that are all like as highly skilled as her, that she recognizes. And so that's kind of what we have with chapter 51. Again, it is much more action heavy um, chapter and just kind of more set up for the big finale of this story arc. What did you think of this chapter for Spy X Family Rock?
1: Uh, you know I love Spike's family now. I mean, don't, we know that. My love is undying for this manga. But look, even I will admit, Chapter 51, uh, even, even someone who loves the manga as much as I am is kind of like, all right, we, we, we need to get up and go already with this story. It's, it's, uh, the, the pacing is a, leaves a bit to be desired, for me at least. And I love Endo. Don't get me wrong. I think he's awesome. We... The problem for me is that it's 19 pages, this chapter, and the first 12, it's the same thing that we've been getting over and over for chapter to chapter. Finally, by page 13, we get the action, and the action's awesome, and so for pages 13 and 19, you get action. That action is great. Big thumbs up from me, so I like that, and I mean, look, come on. Everybody knows... If I've, if you can't tell by how I rate, uh, uh comics and manga by using night girls, if if uh, if the main character is female with long dark hair and wheels, uh, wears heels and a small outfit, I I kicks a lot of ass. I'm gonna like that character, right? And so this this action scene is tailor made for me, Kevin. Uh, it's all your all the time. So I'm happy. I like the action scene, but again, I ha- we just had to go twelve pages of. Yeah, I got it, Endo. Okay. We, you, give this, you gave this to already over the past couple of chapters. Can we just move to the fun stuff already? So bit a bit of a story of two tales. I guess really. The first part of this chapter, the first 13 pages don't uh, 12 pages, sorry, the first 12 pages don't do much for me, but the remainder, yeah, the remaining pages, uh, the action is cool. Yor is now in a scenario where the reader is legitimately concerned for her, despite her being world-class assassin, and we know she is dangerous. But now she's she's facing such overwhelming odds that this is Endo f- really doing a good job, honestly, Kevin, of taking a character that up to now really hasn't had to uh, really put up much of an effort to defeat anybody, right? And so when you have a character that's so good and so skilled, you're never really worried about him. You have to do something special to get the reader worried. Endo does it. Endo's able to get us, by the end of this chapter, legitimately worried like, "Uh, yeah, yours like top-notch, but these odds aren't looking good. And is there a chance that maybe somehow... Uh, Lloyd is going to find out and, and, and hop into this battle to, to give you, because yours just so ridiculously outnumbered at the end of this chapter.
0: Yeah, and I think it just kind of speaks to Endo maybe not being used to writing long story arcs. We haven't actually really seen a long story arc. I think the longest one it has been like about three or four chapters. And yeah. this one has gone on for a while. So it's not really yes. like a typical manga. It's more like he's been more focused on the comedy aspect of, of this series with some action. Yep. Yep, because I think it is comedy first, action second. Um, Absolutely, so it, this is basically him really kind of exploring if he could. It feels like he's exploring if he could tell uh, a one big story, or kind of like what we've seen traditional shown in manga. Yes. Um. So I, I I do sense that with this chapter, especially since we didn't get another chapter to kind of finish this off or mm. get that. I, I you do feel that of like maybe if I got one more chapter this month that. Maybe you you may may feel di- like you might feel right. different about it so right. because of, of everything. Cause it does feel like he is um doing very similar things. But at the same time, I didn't enjoy all everything because again, I just like yours character so much that um we, we are seeing her at a crossroads yep. in her life. And then at the same time, she it, it, there's a lot of fun comedy in here outside of just Lloyd and on Anya, like Anya enjoying the fireworks. She's thinking about her mom, then she gets distracted by the fireworks. Um and then with your your herself, like where she's very much aware of her environment but as soon as the fireworks go off she's like oh oh crap this is when gunfire is coming off and he, <laughs> and he does a lot of cool little little moments like that and i like the whole sneaky mission because like that's where we get the comedy but then endo really quickly get, gets into the serious action with the sniper coming along then the other assassin i think those two especially the second assassin that attacks them i think yeah. sets up well that Yor is in trouble because all these assassins are world-class assassins that are maybe they're not all similar at the same level as her but right. all of them, to, all of them together, make that yes. even a bigger threat because now Yor has to take on so many that are right. on just maybe a step below her. But because they're just a step below her, that's what makes all of them gathered together extremely dangerous, and it's going to be incredibly tough for her to take all of them on at the same time, because they're not like the assassins she took out at the at the ballroom where she was like dancing with them and taking them out there. Right. They're not. You could kind of sense that all these assassins are like the top assassins that Yor is going to have a tough time dealing with. Um, And like one-on-one, but like all of them together, it's going to be even even harder for her.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I will say the artwork, as always, Kevin, Endo's art is excellent. And what's great is, uh, look, you and I have praised, I think you'll agree with me, because we've talked about this many times, that the facial expressions are aces, always, always aces with Endo's artwork. But you know what's also great? Some of the dramatic shots, the two-page spread, Kevin, of the cruise ship, with all the fireworks going off, it looks beautiful. It's just a gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous double page panel. Yeah, and we got that
0: other double page spread of like of all the assassins gathering, yes. and 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 then you're like taking out her her knives, from, knives, and just oh. like being, looking incredibly badass. I think yes, really like he, he is stretching his muscles in terms of the artwork here because even the comedy stuff, like I, I did enjoy like again the typical comedic art style that he has with like your shocked expression when the fireworks go off like, along with Oka and the others, yep. Anya getting amazed by the fireworks as well, like a little kid would. And she yep. completely get, forgets her mom at that moment and stuff like that. And then just morphing into like seeing like yours, like dive and save Oka. Like you see that, mm-hmm. like you, you get a great sense of emotion where she's, she saves yes. Oka and then throws the knives at the same time to, distract the sniper so he doesn't shoot anymore. So it's like, mm-hmm. she's doing a couple of motions at the same time. So it just reminded you how badass she is. And then yep. she immediately goes into like defensive mode of f- fighting off the other assassin and is able uh-huh. to fend him off and stuff like that. So there's a lot of cool, like you just feel how she's always in motion and just yes. like constantly fighting and figuring out, like I need to be a couple steps ahead of everybody else. It's not just about saving Oka, but it's about taking out the sniper at the same time, taking out this other other assassin at least defending oka from him and stuff like that so it's like she's always on her guard even when even when she got surprised by the fireworks Again, right and like i said it's a comedic aspect of it but when when stuff stuff hits the fan she was ready and she was like ready to right. ready to fight fight everybody off
1: i what's great that art is and to your point we always compliment endo's artwork when it comes to the comedic side of everything because it's really good and i think sometimes we need to give him a lot of love for the action side because as good as endo is with comedic scenes and he is excellent with those i mean the character expressions really are legit and to your point i mean yours facing the fireworks first go off their big eyes whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> like it's like you know a cat when you you surprise them in in with a big bright light all of a sudden and but he's endo is so good at the action scenes too because he has so much kinetic energy I, you're right it's like it's like it pulls you in and it's almost as if the characters and all the fight scenes are leaping off the page at you they are so full of energy and that's what really gets you excited and pumped up and into the story it, I feel like I praise endo so much for the comedic side that I should praise him more for the action side because it really is good action artwork. And you're right. The the use of motion is wonderful. In this fight scene, it's almost like you can feel your kind of like as a spinning top as she's spinning around, saving people and deflecting attacks. And the end of it, again, the final two-page spread for this chapter, chapter 51, is Ace's. And the look on yours face as she's whips out her knives and the look on her face, again, it goes right back to what we've talked about. Endo strength with facial expressions. Endo sells you on the next chapter with the look on yours face, right? Come on, Kevin. Didn't you see that look on her face? And you go, oh yeah, it's on now. I mean, get yeah. you excited.
0: Yeah, it feels like we're going to see the full Thorn princess yes. mode activated. Like, like even yes. though you're like, recognizes that all these are skilled assassin. She's like, I'm going to do everything possible to make sure this mission yeah. is successful. And you don't feel like she's got, she's like, fi- fi- like, uh, like against the odds or nope. whatever. She, you nope. feel like you still feel confident that she could do it because yeah. of, of that determination you see in that face. And you're like, she is going, she's going to go out and whether she has to take all of them out or she has to wait for backup or whatever, she is going to do everything possible to get this mission successful. And like, we're, we are going to be see full thorn princess Agreed. side of your like in the next chapter and that, that that's really what got me excited and why yep. I I am very high on this chapter still like I wish we got another chapter just cuz I think another chapter would have helped with like in terms of like the pacing overall.
1: Right, but yeah. Again,
0: I can't complain. We got we at least got one chapter by and Obviously, he's putting a lot of work into these chapters cuz you could I could tell from the artwork alone that yes. he's he is putting a yes. lot of work into this. So, um I I'm really looking forward to what uh, comes up in uh, chapter 52 and then beyond that. So what would you rate it overall for this chapter of spy x family rock
1: i will go seven night girls out for the seven night girls out of ten for the story and i will go nine night girls out of ten for okay. the art. so eight night girls out of ten overall okay
0: yeah for, for me i am a little bit higher as well on this um but we're going to get to the same score of like I'm just <laughs> eight, eight night girls out of ten across the board for me just again it all okay. worked for me and it just it's just super fun it, Fun story, and I just enjoy like Spyx family and these characters so much. So,
2: yep.
0: um, so the next uh, manga that we're gonna be talking about is uh, Kaiju number eight, chapters 41 through 42. Um, so we got two chapters this month and these chapters again, continuing uh, Kafka um, being part of the first division. The first division gets called to uh, the latest uh, Kaiju attack that happens at Tokyo Shin- uh Ward. Um, so Captain Jen uh, Jen uh, again, sorry. Um, tells Kikaru and Kafka, hey, you guys need to show me something, so get out there and show me what, what you guys have. Um, and he specifically calls Kafka kaiju number eight in this instance. He does not recognize him as anything else outside of kaiju number eight. Mm-hmm. And so Kikaru is the first one to step up and she quickly powers up her power suit, takes out her big axe, takes out a couple of kaiju, and then she joined, she's joined by the platoon leader that we get introduced here to for the first division of Shinonomi. Um, and Shinonomi um, helps out uh, Kikuru uh, as backup and then um, we see back at the defense force headquarters that um general um, shinomiya plus all the other generals and people for the defense force the leaders of the defense force are watching kafka specifically to make sure that um if he's going to turn if against them or just kind of monitoring his situation because they're all still keeping an eye on him and kafka runs in tries to transform into kaiju number eight to fight off some of the kaiju that are attacking but he isn't able to activate his uh, kaiju powers, and he he's left wondering what's going on. He gets attacked by a by an, another kaiju, and then this is where we get the ho- a hoju level kaiju uh, k- coming uh, coming um, to to the scene. And um, it, the defense force quickly realizes that he's that that hoju level kaiju is after Kafka, and that's kind of where we leave off uh, the last chapter of Kaiju Number Eight uh, with Chapter Forty Two. So, what did you think of these two chapters, Rock, for Kaiju Number Eight?
1: Once again, we get some awesome action. And I mean kick ass action. Matsumoto delivers it plentiful in chap the end of, you know, kind of like the near the end of chapter 41 and then all throughout chapter 42. This is very action forward and the action is what I liked the most. To no surprise, I guess, when you're reading kaiju number eight. This it's his calling card, but the action is really well done. I I do like I sticking with what I liked a lot. I like that is it is it gen or jen? How do I pronounce his name?
0: I say I say I say gen.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with Gen then. Kevin yeah. says so. I'm gonna follow his lead on this one. So Gen, I like that he only refers to Kafka as Kaiju number eight. It's just it's just it's Gen's way of reminding Kafka that in his eyes, he's not one of the team. He's not a human. And until he proves it to Gen, Gen's not going to give him that kind of respect. He's just, it's not going to happen. And I like that. I, I like that. Because Kafka has won over everyone else, and, and he has, I mean, he's, he's won over everyone. He's even won over Kikaru, who was his biggest detractor, right, in the, in the early chapters. And he's won her over now. He has to have somebody there to push against him. You know what I'm saying? To give him someone to, to, to struggle with, to give him someone to try to earn the respect of, that, that mountain to climb. That's important. So I like that Gen is refusing to call him by Kafka, I like that again. Throws out the challenge to both Kikoro and Kafka to impress him, and I like that Kikoro is like, "Okay, teacher wants to be impressed. Got it. Impress teacher. Easy peasy." And then Kafka, he can't because he can't transform. And I will tell you, Kevin, I didn't see that coming. Maybe you saw this coming. I sure didn't, man. This caught me by surprise. I, I, I absolutely thought, okay. Matsumoto just let Kikoro strut her stuff. Now he's going to let Kafka turn into to number eight and stomp all over everybody to show them why he's the man. Right. And again, we'll be suitably impressed with everybody. No total swerve. I did not see it coming. Kafka can't transform. And now, oh, my God, we have a new mystery. Why can't he transform? Is it something? Is it something wrong with him internally? Is it a mental thing? Does he have a mental block or is it something that Kaiju number nine in his new form, because we see Kaiju number nine at the end and he, Kaiju number nine has now kind of melded with one of the ant yeah. Kaiju. Yeah. And so you don't know if maybe Kaiju number nine is interfering with, with mm. Kafka's ability to transform because obviously Kaiju number nine can control sm- smaller Kaiju. So it's, oh, it's, a total shocker, a total surprise. And now I'm really intrigued to find out more about what's going on with Kafka. So I, there was a lot to like in these is just two chapters that we got. There's a lot to like in these two chapters. Yeah. And for me, I don't think I was
0: too surprised. Cause I, I think I've read enough manga personally, <laughs> like this,
1: especially showing <laughs> that this always happens to the main character,
0: when he, right. he needs to approve uh, himself. Like something happens where he, like right. uh, initially he can't prove himself. So um, I wasn't too surprised that that happened to Kafka because, again, I, I almost expected it because his transformations into Kaiju number eight have been almost a little bit too easy lately. They have. Lately. Been. So, yeah. um, where he's almost automatically able to transform yes. into Kaiju number eight yep. whenever, he, whenever he wants. So, especially yep. with every, all the challenges that he's been put up against. And then, like we saw in the previous chapter, that uh, like when he was captured or when he was fighting uh, General Shinomiya, that he was able to control that the Kaiju, whatever Kaiju's inside of him.
1: I'm so sorry. are you I'm, telling me that Kafka is suffering from performance anxiety
0: Captain? So, something like something like that or <laughs> kind of just go, kind of going back to uh kind of going back to what you were saying of what's maybe going on with him is right. that whatever infected him and turned into yeah. Kaiju number 8 I'm suspecting that it's turning against Kafka cuz right. Kafka turned against him. Yeah, um, yeah. so I'm guessing that there's some sort of internal battle just kind of and kind of getting into what you're saying of we don't know because we don't know too much about these Kaiju's like these humanoid kaijus. Right. Like yeah. there's still this huge mystery around this entire thing, even with kaiju number nine suddenly p- appearing and fused with one of the cricket monsters or whatever that uh, grasshopper monsters, I think it maybe it was. We
1: like, know nothing about the kaiju right. that 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 went inside of Kafka. Still, yeah. I mean, yeah. nothing. Yeah,
0: so it's kind of almost like a the Naruto with the nine fox of like the nine tail right. fox. Like in Naruto, I know um, was like it, it could impact how much Naruto would be able to use the nine fox when initially in their initial relationship. I feel like this is kind of reminds me a lot of that with Naruto and the 9 Fox with Kafka and the whatever uh, um, thing turned to him into the uh, Kaiju number eight. So mm-hmm. again, I wasn't too surprised uh, on that just because I, I, I expected it with the developments that we had in previous chapters. But again, I'm still like asking what's what, what is going on kind of similar right. to you of like, is, is it Kaiju number nine impacting? Cause again, he's been kind of set up as the big bad of the series yes. um, so, so far. And so and he did seem to take pleasure of like whatever Kafka is suffering and everything like that. And so it'll be interesting to see if he does have plans for Kafka as Kaiju number eight. And just going into kind of what you said with Captain again, um, just he is like challenging uh Kikuru and then Kafka who re- he recognizes as Kaiju number eight. I-, I like that they are developing him as an asshole. He's not yeah, like he, he is not like um Ashiro or like like treating them with kid gloves or whatever, he is like being like, "Hey, you gotta, you guys are part of this. Show me what you guys got. I don't care what whatever I heard about you. You have to actually show me that you could perform."
1: It's the opposite of what uh, of of how Hoshina treated yeah. Kafka. How Kafka quickly won over Hoshina yeah. when he was uh, serving underneath him. Gen is like, eh, "Not gonna happen." <laughs> yeah. yeah, Exactly. Like
0: I could I could hear all the rumors or everything about how how well you've done and everything and save people, but. You haven't shown me anything. So, and he, and right. he doesn't, and to be fair to him, he does the same thing with Kikuru. Even though Kikuru yes. is technically That's right. the daughter of General Shinomiya and knows the name, he's like, hmm? I'm not going to treat you like a princess, like right. other people, like you got actually have to show me on the field. And yep. I like that Kikuru actually takes the challenge and he's like, All right, I'll show you. And then just takes right. out her axe, powers up, and just takes out a couple kaiju and doesn't like win- wince or anything like that, doesn't hesitate. And she's, and she is totally up for showing, showing uh, her new leader that she is. One of the boys, and just going to mm-hmm. show up, and and I also like that we also get introduced to another new character in this, and uh, Shinomi, Shinonomi. um, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, uh, um, yeah, yeah. but um, and we get introduced to her, and she, and we see her with her big gantling gun as well, and like yes. again, just <laughs> just continuing to introduce badass characters because yep. I think yep. one of the things that this series does so well is like introduce us with more and more badass characters with different weapons and different abilities yep. and things like that. It's not just Everybody has a big sword or big axe or whatever. Right. It's like we see like with Ashiro, she had that big sniper gun. We have like now this uh, Shinonome with um, with this Gantling gun and and things like yeah. that. So I'm, I'm glad that we're seeing different types of characters with different weapon specialties and stuff like that. Because again, it just adds to this world, adds to the characters that we see in yeah. And it's going to be cool. To, and it got me, that was what I was most excited for. I was like, I want to see Kikuru and Shinonome just like wreck shop on all these <laughs> um, kaiju and see how they do all these team up moves with one of them doing the axe and the other one doing yep. with the gantling gun and seeing how they work together so again, that was like my most hype moment for, for this, these two chapters was that um and um and i think again I, I do like that also the defense force is keeping an eye on kafka because even though he did gain kind of general shinonimo uh everybody else is kind of still like hesitant about him like yes. they don't trust him at right. all so it's like just kind of typical government stuff and i'm glad that like we're seeing that addressed here in these two chapters as well.
1: Agreed, agreed. My, my only I only had one minor gripe for the two chapters and it's Kafka's character again while he's fighting, trying to impress Gen and he mentions how I, I gotta I gotta do well so I can serve by Mina's side. And I'm like, dude, let this character have agency. Let him be a hero because he wants to be a hero. He needs agency. He's like the princess who's waiting for the prince. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. He needs more agency. That's the only – at this moment in time where, he's, where his battle's going on and he's having trouble transforming and he's, he's having a tough time. He's trying to impress Gen. It's like he needs to have the heart of a hero and do it because he wants to be a hero. He wants to prove something to himself because he wants to do good in the world, not because – he wants to be with some woman and by her side. Like, yeah, and, it, and it's, I know. And, and it, it's I the know. same thing with, like, it also makes, makes me hope
0: that next time we see Mina, she's not just thinking about Kafka as well. Because yeah. I agree with you yeah, that, that it felt like a step back for the character, because, like, we yes. saw that kind of at the end of the previous chapters of, like, yep. he was so determined that he's, like, he understood that, okay, I need to prove myself now. Like, yes, long-term, he wants to be by Mina's side because it's childhood best friend and stuff like that. We got right. that set up in the past which is great. But then like, we right. saw that determination of him, like, Oh no, now it's my time to step up as a hero individual. Yes. Now. And then right. all of a sudden, like it felt, it did like, I do agree with you. It felt like a step back of like, Oh, uh, all of a sudden he starts thinking about Mina again, instead of like, yeah. I got to transform into Kaiju number eight right away. I got to right. prove myself again and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, but that that was a very odd character choice and yes. that they kind of hold, hold that these two chapters back a little bit for me. Yeah. Of not a, that's why it's, like I said the most hype for me is they were hyped by itself but the Kikuro, oh, yeah. um and shinonome uh, part of this chapter was the best yep. part of the, these chapters for me whereas like Kafka is kind of like while I'm into the mystery of of what's going on with his powers mm-hmm. like him as a character is still like we're stuck on first drive we're not like we're not into that second drive yet we're still kind of repeating a lot of character. Uh, beats with him and it's at, at some point we need to see the character evolve yes. beyond just like being that a strong character because of of uh, Kaiju number eight. It's not kaiju number eight is the thing that makes him strong. It's him as a character. and it almost feels like we're stuck in the same spot where we we're like almost at the beginning of the series
1: with him right now. I totally agree. That was my that's my only complaint. that was my yeah. only complaint. yeah, but you totally agree. Uh, and the art, as always, Kevin, Matsumoto's art kicks ass. It's amazing. You know what I loved? I loved the cover page for chapter 41. I thought that was brilliant. It's just Gen, and he's in this big opulent chair, and he's wearing a prince's crown and he's got a a, like a sony playstation 5 controller in his hand and he's got like the you know video game consoles on the floor and everything's kind of a mess and he's got shelves with like kaiju and different kind of you know otaku action figures on it it's like that is just such a and he's got this like real like badass kind of like you know mean mug tough look on his face it's just such a great cover it is so good Uh, but the art of course uh, you and I have talked about it and it's 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 more the same right Matsumoto's art is awesome it's it's he does action great he's just a really good artist
0: yeah and uh, again this was all a a great chapter Uh, like all, all great artwork for in terms of what what we get and like just he he excels at the action more so than anything else um, so it was really cool to see more kaiju like kaiju action and seeing like the different kaiju that he introduces. Because here we have like a basically a horde of kaiju coming out of like this, um, yeah. this huge hole in the middle of uh, Tokyo's one of Tokyo's wards. And I thought that was also a cool moment of like mm-hmm. that double page spread of like that we had had there that of like seeing that huge hole and then all the kaijus uh, rushing out of there. It was like yeah. oh, okay, this is awesome. Like. Yeah. And we're seeing like, it's not just like how Kafka kind of almost like the humanoid kaijus look or kind yep. of Godzilla level. It's like, we see these insect-level lo- like yes. kaiju. So I was like, I'm glad that he's mixing in other types of designs for these kaijus in this world.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I, I that is one thought I, I'd forgotten about, but I wanted to mention when I was reading it, I, I'm what i never, I'm, personally, I'm not really a huge fan when artists create like those just kind of, uh, their their kaiju or their monsters just kind of have that that generic-y, no style to it looking you know kind of like both well, kind of like how kaiju number uh uh nine looks right like that kind of lacking in style kind of horror design I don't know how to explain it better yeah and like the I'm only not, the
0: only uh, thing that makes him stand out is that his head is almost like this shape but yeah. that was, that's really yeah. it
1: right I like my kaiju to be based on something. So Godzilla, giant lizard, right? Or in this case, insects. Like I like it when kaiju are based on something we know and then they're amped up and morphed into something scarier. And so I thought seeing all the insect kind of kaiju, great designs, really cool kaiju designs. I liked them a lot. And it's it's good to have that yeah. because we had the Godzilla design earlier a couple of chapters ago. I really like these kind of designs. I think I was a little worried when Kaiju number Eight first started because in the very beginning, the Kaiju designs, kind of like Kaiju number 9, were just a little eh, and yeah. kind of generic-y, but I like that he's now kind of yeah. taking yeah. some more interesting designs with the Kaiju.
0: Yeah, he's going away from like the Godzilla inspiration and more just yep. like going into like, oh, let, let me dig into like monster movie aspect yes. of, of, of yes. these Kaiju, yes. I was like, well, like which I enjoy because again, you want to differentiate this from what Kaiju number 8 is inspired by like Godzilla. You want to see like other types of kaiju even if they're not as huge as like godzilla level or like stomping on buildings right. these, insect, these insect level ones are almost the same like a little bit shorter than tall buildings but right. they're still very powerful and stuff so it's mm-hmm. it's actually really cool just to mix up the variety that all, all our characters are going to be taking on so again all, all solid and what, what would you rate these two chapters raka for kaiju number eight
1: i'm gonna go the story i will go 8 Night Girls out of 10. The art, 9 Night Girls out of 10. Okay. Yeah. And for, for
0: me, I think I'm going to be a little bit lower in terms of the story. I was disappointed with Kafka's um, character, and I think this these two chapters were really lifted up by the stuff around him with all other characters like Hikuru and and uh, getting introduced to Shinonome. Um So I, I would grade it um, 6 Night Girls out of 10 for the story and then 8 Night Girls for the, for the artwork. So overall, 7, seven Night Girls. Are, again, solid, but kind of disappointed with Kafka, and he did really bring this these two chapters down I think for yep. where his character is so um all right so we'll move on to our next manga which is going to be Dragon Ball Super chapter 75 uh so w- with this chapter we continue to fight between Gran- uh Granola and Vegeta and we get Vegeta's new form which is power like powered by the power of destruction that Beerus taught him and he actually names it Ultra Ego which is the complete opposite of Ultra Instinct. <laughs> as he says, it's like, it's nothing like Goku. Don't even don't, don't even compare me to him. And yeah. Vegeta is actually able to overpower Granola and Granola is just like trying to put up defenses and do everything possible. Even like tries to hit Vegeta and Vegeta just like takes takes any punch that he throws at him. He, he just powers him up more and just shows that like his ultra ego is not the same as Ultra Instinct where he's just like, he's going to take punches and he's just going to get powered through them and get even stronger. So so this actually forces Granola to get pissed off and just be like, you know what, this is done. And the person that he's actually been talking to, like Oatmeal, we haven't seen this character yet. We've only heard its voice talking through uh, Granola's communication device that like on his eye patch. and he, Granola throws that down. He ignores Oatmeal because Oatmeal was trying to tell him, hey, Vegeta might be telling the truth about Frieza and the Saiyans and stuff, but mm-hmm. Granola is not having it, throws it down, and then just taps further into his hidden power and just powers up and almost becomes his own level of super saiyan we don't know if we don't see his like hair change color or anything like that but he, he gets the spiky hair and stuff so yep. and with this new power up he's actually able to fight vegeta on even playing field and actually overpower him and is able to get him bloody and everything so which surprises vegeta um and this is kind of where we leave that fight off and we see it on 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 serio on another side that the heaters have finally arrived on the planet and they're actually after the two dragon balls that, that are on the planet. So they, they found the first one and they're, they're going to go look for the second one. So that's kind of where we leave off chapter 75 with Dragon Ball Super. Rock, what did you think of this chapter for, for Dragon Ball?
1: You know, this chapter, I know you and I were crazy about this current story arc, but I will say this chapter, like last chapter where it started to get better, chapter 75, I think pushes the ball forward even more so. Uh this was probably my favorite chapter for the story arc. I like that Vegeta got the spotlight. I love that Vegeta <laughs> names his new form Ultra Ego. <laughs> it's just so perfect for Vegeta. And I like that his physical look for Ultra Ego. I I'm glad that we avoided the rather predictable route of giving him, you know, different color hair or something like that. It's essentially just Vegeta, but he, he is a little bit more, you know, buffed out a little bit more jacked out. And uh he has basically flames kind of like, it looks like three yeah. like flame flames that kind of rotate around him.
0: Yeah. It's like the and, power of destruction flames, yeah, like the purple flames. And,
1: yeah, yeah the purple flames
0: and his form is very much the opposite of goku's where goku when he did Ultra he almost didn't like gets thinner and like yes like just more not, not ripped but he he does look like he's he's just um uh le- less muscular whereas yeah. uh, and just uh, like that's the opposite of also like super saiyan red when or super yeah. saiyan god form that we see so and i like and you like you said it's cool to see that his is just he's jacked out like all hell like almost like his old super saiyan form where he was fighting cell and stuff like that it's just like pure muscle and it's just like you see him ripped and uh, that was cool
1: and it's 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 a great look and it's a power ultra ego is a is a power that absolutely is consistent with vegeta's character Mm -hmm. this is a natural evolution for vegeta's character and Mm -hmm. again like you and i mentioned before i like that we are now going two different you know Toriyama is going down two different paths with Vegeta and with Goku. They're no longer following the same path to power. They're they've absolutely forked and going in different directions and I like it. It makes both characters more interesting to me at least it does. And Ultra Ego really is a wonderful evolution of Vegeta's character. I love how Vegeta is written. I've always liked his character and I liked him even more in chapter 75. It's just it's really great to see Vegeta Taking this new direction. And I got to tell you, not only did I enjoy this new direction for Vegeta, finally, I, I started warming up to Granola's character a bit in the last chapter. Okay, I did. But I really finally opened up to Granola's character. In chapter 75. And I think that's because finally, Kevin, we're getting what you and I have been asking for since the beginning. Really give me something about this character. Show me what, what is motivating him? What is, what is so different about him? What is so special about him? Show me why I'm supposed to take him seriously. Show me what kind of fighting spirit he has. Like you've got to show me something about this character that m- makes me take him seriously as a threat to, Goku, Vegeta, or anyone else beyond that, right? And I think we finally see that. I like that up until now, Granola has kind of been... You know he's a good guy who's being manipulated, obviously, by the heaters. But you know he's a good guy. And what I like about this fight is Granola basically just... When he tosses, takes oatmeal off his um, eye and throws oatmeal away, that is Granola basically... I mean, not becoming a heel because he's still a good guy, but that's granola. Just, you know, you know what oatmeal is his Jiminy Cricket, right? Okay, that's his Jiminy Cricket. That's his conscience talking to him. Well, he's like, "Uh -uh, get out of here, oatmeal. I don't need that. Uh, You know, I'm going full bore. I am giving into my anger and my and my thirst for revenge. And that made granola more interesting to me finally he 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 exhibited something that was okay i i can i can get something i can sink my teeth into you know yeah
0: and i think this is where vegeta makes much more interesting fighting partner for granola because like he actually you could kind of see that how granola and vegeta are very similar in that oh yeah granola is who vegeta could have transformed into if he was like the last saying remaining kind of aspect of it and kind of digging into that as well like they're they're almost very similar in terms of what who they are like the different big difference is that vegeta actually found connections with goku bulma and everybody else that calmed him down so that he just didn't always think about his revenge on frieza and stuff like that obviously they were able to kill frieza and right back and all that confusion stuff but (laughs) but like at least he was able to make peace and then also find a family and and find friends and stuff like that even though he doesn't like to admit that but like we know just from seeing him he's Melded out a lot because of the people around him, whereas Granola hasn't had that. He he's only known revenge. He's only known like his anger for for the Saiyans, for frieza and and what he wants to take on. So it's kind of interesting story. Like and like I said, why Vegeta makes such an interesting dance partner because even Vegeta says that. Hey, I understand you. I understand what pissed off because I was there Mm -hmm. too, and Mm -hmm. so. Unlike Goku, where Goku is like, oh, yeah, I just want to have fun fighting. And so like, right, Where like almost Goku makes both characters look lesser than <laughs> when he was. I agree. Benola. Yeah. And whereas Vegeta kind of elevates it. And I, again, I kind of just emphasize it, whereas like Vegeta is really becoming the most interesting character in this entire series, much Absolutely. more so than Goku, where Goku is starting to bring down like you, you like a, l- a lot of people argue that he's done this for a long time now. But this story arc specifically has made Goku look awful as a character. Yes, it um, has. And and absolutely then specifically, um, where I'm just like, I can't avoid avoid how awful of a character Goku is in terms right. of like how he views fighting and all this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but and but it's allowed Vegeta on, on the opposite end of the spectrum like to shine and show that hey, he is going he he is going to do everything in his power to stop him. He, he's not going to mess around, he's not gonna be like, Oh, I want to test your power of how strong you are and stuff like that. No, he's just like, I'm going to defeat you because you're obviously blinded by rage, nothing's gonna get through to you. So You must be stopped and stuff like that. And at the same time, he's enjoying the battle because he's letting his say in nature tap into. But it's not just the only thing about his character. So again, so which is fun, again, like just going back to Vegeta has massively, massively made a difference for how this the tone of the story, at least with on the granola side of things. There's still parts of granola where I'm just like his character is lacking that for me. Of mm-hmm. like like we've only seen little bits of him, and if yep. you, it does feel like du's mocking of him like continuously powering up because we
2: mm-hmm.
0: um so it's like there's not much of a challenge for with the character still um but when it comes to like oh, he's able to tap into more power and all this all this stuff, I'm just like, okay, at some point we gotta stop this fight because we're kind of getting into repetitiveness with him
1: yeah I, I agree i mean, I like that i like. I do appreciate that Granola, you know, kind of throwing off his inhibitions by getting rid of oatmeal. And I like that at the end of the fight with Vegeta, you see he has one red eye, yeah, normally. And at the end of the fight, his other eye turns red again as, as well. And that, of course, is a power up for him. He's now unlocked his full potential of his yeah. people. And Vegeta recognizes this, and he's, and you can kind of tell that's the moment where Vegeta's lost the fight. No. He's kind of like, oh crap! I've lost this, and he does. In fact,
0: lose yeah. the which, which which sucks kind of for as a Vegeta fan. Now that yeah, like Vegeta always has to lose the fight, which sucks. <laughs>
1: I know it, like, is, it, it does. It, it, it does it, suck because like you, a, you know yeah. he, Vegeta's got to lose, so Goku can then come back and actually get the win. Like yeah, you, exactly. you, you know it's happening, and I'm like you. I'm a Vegeta fan first. You it's like it's frustrating because you know you know it's going to happen, right? Yeah. You, know, you don't want it to happen, but you know it's going to happen. He's gonna he's Vegeta's gonna lose it. So Goku Goku can win it. Yeah. He, Vegeta's gonna get Vegeta's the vehicle to get the uh antagonist to get his final power up yeah. activated. So Goku can then come in and defeat the antagonist with the final power up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, and which is again going back to how repetitive, like
1: yes, just, like a nature of Dragon Ball is that
0: it's it always still has to be Goku show. And I kind of wish that Toriyama finally just allowed like Vegeta and like somebody almost, like or like, kind of like Gohan, like Gohan's really like the only other character that has gotten that moment where he defeated Cell and outside That's of that, you can't really, it. I can't really think of another moment where it wasn't Goku's show. Nope. Um. So it's nope. like, I kind of wish at this point where like Toriyama just like, you know what? It is time for what? Vegeta to get a win. Like, let, let's Thank give you. Vegeta a, or give some other character like Piccolo or Gohan, someone else a win. Nobody. Of, it doesn't have to be Goku every single time. And I kind of really you. was, exactly. I was really hoping that this fight with Granola was going to end in this chapter, honestly. It, so right. that way we, we could get vegeta that big win without and it's not just Goku show and that that kind of did disappoint me
1: i i i'm not lying to you kevin i, I and i fell for it and i knew i shouldn't have fallen for it yeah. but in the middle of this chapter i really thought okay vegeta's unlocked ultra ego vegeta's going to get the win he's going to defeat granola and then granola's going to finally accept the fact that they're all, that they're being they're all three are being manipulated by the heaters and then our three heroes are going to band yeah. together to take on the heaters right at the end of yeah. this chapter that's what i was expecting i was hoping for but you know yeah. as a virginia fan i shouldn't have hoped for that right exactly and, so,
0: <laughs> it's so and, and just kind of going back into it of like like that that could have been a way to reintroduce frieza where frieza could have been introduced as the big threat for the story arc and stuff like that but it's just kind of it does suck that especially the f- first chapter where we see ultra ego already he gets defeated he gets in the first defeated. chapter he gets like his, his new form like it doesn't uh, even get like, Toriyama doesn't even give Vegeta the respect that his new form and new power-up that he had finally worked so hard to achieve. Right. Yeah, he gets swatted aside and, like, bloodied and almost, like, can't get up anymore. Like, in the yes. first chapter that we see him in that form. It's like, that sucks. Like, even at least, even when Gohan fought Buu, uh, when he returned in his unlocked potential form uh, during the Boo saga, at least he was able to defeat, like, Super Buu. Um, Vegeta doesn't even get that respect. <laughs>
1: In, in no he camera. doesn't it's depressing it's, like, it's it's depressing it's like how, how can you unveil ultra ego in a loss like like you can't it's like booking 101 kevin in pro wrestling when a character comes back with a new look and a new gimmick you know what they do in their first match they win yeah they win because if they don't you've now set them up to not be taken seriously so yeah. you unveil this new ultra ego form and he loses yeah in the same chapter that he unveiled it
0: yeah so it, it, yeah yeah terrible. It, it, and, and i think that's where kind of my disappointment still with like as much as i enjoy it as much as it was cool to see vegeta in his ultra ego form and it, like yes. for what like two-thirds of this or like a third about half of this chapter really like dominating yeah. the fights oh and, yeah you know, absolutely everything and then but then granola powering up again and kind of do some mocking of like Oh, yeah, I got another form stronger because I'm tapping into yes! my anger and all this stuff. It's like, damn it. Why why can't we just get like Vegeta winning and then also still set up Granola as a badass that maybe gets another form later on? Because the form could have be,
1: been safe for against the heaters or for, yes! for Freeze There's or no whatever. reason why so. he couldn't have done the two red eye thing against the heaters. Come on. Yeah. It could have been done then. Yeah. It didn't have to be now. And yeah. And to your point... Do you know what this also means? This means we're going to drag this fight out Mm -hmm. with Granola for at least another chapter, Kevin. For at least... And and it's like, come on. Nobody wants to see another chapter of this fight. And then we still have to deal with the heaters, who, by the way, Kevin, still suck. Yeah, yes. And I don't care about it all.
0: They are the definition of all talk, no no show. (laughs) Like, Like, this is really, like, the heaters have not been developed whatsoever. No. That's the other problem of like this entire story. Arc is that the heaters? Like we get keep hearing that what is it? Salt that is as strong as Frieza, but like right, we don't know if that means that he's as strong as Frieza when Frieza was like the ruler of the world. Or he, that's not taking into account all the all, how powerful Frieza is now, right? Um, and stuff, and like or Goku, Vegeta, and even now Granola. Yeah. So it's like we haven't seen an example of them being badass or even like Salt being a badass. So it's like nope. why should we even take these characters seriously? Like okay, cool. They have a design that makes them look like wicked mafia type character. But, yeah, that's right. But that, that's it. That, that is really like the only element of these characters okay. and like like, there, there's no reason to care. Like, oh, they're oh, after the Dragon Balls, who hasn't been after the Dragon Balls? Like, there's nothing yeah. There's nothing special about these villains whatsoever. And nope. it's just like, eh, whatever. They'll, they'll be like, like, how can I not expect Goku, Vegeta, and Granola to flick them aside and just like, and that's it. Exactly. It's, it's like, again, The only thing that's threatening now is that they're after the Dragon Balls. That's really like the only reason that they're a threat.
1: Absolutely. There's nothing about their personalities, about their mission statement, about their powers. There's nothing about them that gets you even remotely interested whatsoever. We've not been sold on them at all. They're not fleshed out. They're not given a purpose. There's nothing about them that you either care about or find interesting or are worried about or feel threatened about. Just nothing. They're a big zero. Yeah. (laughs) Now,
0: I guess I'll go with my ratings first because I want to (laughs) say say this too of like I want to be able to like because for the if it was just the first half I would give this at least a seven Night Girls out of ten for me but then like the second half really ruins the entire this entire chapter of like you were going on such good momentum I had such high hopes for like Vegeta and Ultra Inst uh, like Ultra Ego and then like how that could maybe change things up with Granola's Mm -hmm. character arc and also like the heaters and stuff like that but then you we get back into the same same old same old of like why this story arc is not great um so really for me it's kind of that second half of this chapter is just like same old same old so it's like four night girls out of 10 for me and then like the art is it's solid and it's super cool so oh yeah and in, in, in his ultra yeah. e- instinct form and um and i would honestly give it a seven night girls out of 10 it's, it's all great dragon ball style artwork yep. and so it's yep. like for, for me it's like five and a half night girls out of 10 really for for this chapter
1: what would you grade this I'm not that far off from you. I'm going to go. I- I'm going to give the issue. I-, I love the first half of it a lot. Like we talked mm-hmm. about for all the reasons. It's just got the end. Gosh. Oh, it's so frustrating. Kevin It's so frustrating, time yeah. we get to the end of it. I'm going to go five night girls out of 10 for the story. And that's only because I love ultra ego and seeing Vegeta kicking butt. Seriously. Yeah. That's yeah. why I got five. All right. And the art, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. It's seven night girls out of ten for the art, so overall six night girls out of ten.
0: Okay, cool. And now so with this look, uh, we're going to end the, um, this episode with talking about Sakamoto Days that released this chapter 33 through 36. So um, we kind of get uh, a, a reprieve chapter with uh, Taru and Io Sakamoto um, celebrating their their uh, wedding anniversary on a cruise ship. Um, and we go from we go from there and like Taru still has to defend himself against assassins that are coming after him, and he uses all his skills and to defend Aoi and make sure that she's safe, and then take out all the assassins. And kind of, it, it was just a kind of filler chapter, but it's uh, still fun to see Taru like in action, and then his, the strength of his his and Aoi's relationship against celebrating this wedding anniversary, and that they're still going strong. And it's um so we kind of get that chapter with chapter 33, but then we from there we get um into our next story arc with um. Uh, Lu Xian um, uh, gets a surprise visit from some uh, from one of the triad family members um, His name is Lu Wat Lu, 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 Lu um, and he comes in and says that you ha- uh, tellss Xian that she has to come back to the family because she has to fill the role of her dad as the leader of the triads. She says no I want, I don't want to go back and then uh, Wu Tang says all right so you don't want to go back uh, by, by choice. Like, I'm not going to give you an option. We're going to do a triad-style triad, uh, triad style battle. Um, and if Sakamoto loses, then Ziantang has to return to the triad family. But if Sakamoto wins, uh, Wu-Tang will reveal who put the bounty on Taru's head. Um, Taru and Shin, they're not interested. They say, hey, we could find out the information ourselves. But Ziantang says, all right, you know what? Let's do it. And then, so she forces uh, both Shin and Taru to accept the challenge. And so it's Team Sakamoto versus... Uh, Team uh, Triad uh, family. So and uh, Wu Tang says that their their battle is going to take place in a casino, and it is whoever wins the most money in uh, at the end of the night is going to be the winner. So they all play different casino games, Um, and by the end of the night, they both win eighty-seven thousand six hundred thirty chips. So because since there's a tie. sakamoto says hey i don't even know poker so let's play old maid so they play a game of old maid too as a tiebreaker it comes down to taru and and uh wu-tang as the final um final two um players wu-tang actually does grab the, the right card but uh taru uses his uh a supernatural assassin powers to make him grab the joker card because he uses this like super strength so that uh, forcing wu-tang to uh get get that joker card and then the triad family tries to interfere with uh, with the game because they see that Wu Tang is going to lose. Wu Tang gets mad and he, along with Taru, Tong, and Shin, team up together to defeat the Triad family. And then Wu um, Tang decides, hey, you know what? I'm not strong enough to defend Xiantang. So, you know what? She could stay with you, I guess. And that's kind of where we leave uh, these chapters for uh, Sakamoto Days. What did you think of these chapters for Sakamoto Days, uh, Rock?
1: I enjoyed all these chapters. I will admit i it's probably a surprise but the chapter 33 and you're right chapter 3 is absolutely just a little pause button it's a filler chapter that's all it is it's it's it's, it's simply for the reader and for uh, suzuki to catch their breath in between story arcs right that's all it is but damn it kevin i loved chapter 33 it was my favorite of the four chapters that we read this month Chapter 33 is my favorite because for me, chapter 33 is a, if if I could just pick one chapter that gave a, a, a fully uh, enclosed storyline story, right? Beginning, middle and end of why I like Sakamoto days so much. It would be chapter 33. It was great. The comedy was awesome. The action was kick ass. The art was good. It's hilarious watching, sakamoto trying to defend uh, uh, from all the uh, assassins right without his wife knowing what's going on and then would finally he can't hide from her anymore right and she knows that they're being attacked he just picks up like a football and he's just running through all these attackers and she's like oh, i'm gonna throw up and then the highlight of the chapter is when he, he's surrounded by everyone and he just chucks her in the air and i'm talking like she goes as high as like the Empire State Building, Kevin. She, and, and while she's in the air, you see her there and she's screaming and crying. And you see her falling back down. He's taking everybody out. And then he catches her and everyone's already defeated. And then he hands her some flowers. It's
2: just <laughs> it's
0: awesome. It's yeah, a great and, chapter. And, and it, it's a perfect use of a one shot style story of like, yes. hey, you know, let's just tell a fun story. We got yes. one chapter. We got one chapter. We got what's 17, 18 pages. Let's tell the best story possible. The most fun that encompasses everything that's great about the series and just do it. Cause I think sometimes that's what creators need to do. Like whether it's comics or manga, just like give me one chapter where it's just a story that defines what this series is all about. What makes the series great. And those are sometimes the best, honestly the best stories of any comic or manga To to me is that when a writer has that limitation set of like, Hey, you know what? I got 17 to 23 pages of telling one story Yep. What, what, what's the best story I could tell? And sometimes we actually honestly get the best type of stories from yes. that limitation of just telling one concise one shot
1: story. Absolutely agree. The the art of the one shot, it is, it is a very, very rare thing to see. You don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of authors, artists uh, putting a lot of effort to, but the art of the one shot, it is beautiful when you get a well done one shot. And I wish we would see more of them. And I, I don't want to, obviously I don't want an endless stream of one shots, but I'm oh totally fine with Magaka putting some one shots in there to break up the yeah. uh, longer story arcs. That is really well done, and,
0: and of course, and, and, and I was going to say that that it also works as like just defining just Taru and Aoi's relationship because like we've yeah, seen a exactly. little some some difficulties and we've seen this like the bounty getting getting to them, and it, it's nice just yeah. to get this chapter where we see that their relationship as as strong as ever, no matter how much they may fight, how much. How he brings up the rules and stuff like that. <laughs> she still loves she loves them. They both love right. each other so much that it is just fun to see that their, their relationship going as strong as ever. There's nothing that's going to ruin the relationship, even yep. with all these assassins coming after them. And, yep. and, and like Taro having to defend defend her and just the family in general. So it's like again, it's super fun that we see the how the strength of their relationship shine so much.
1: And I agree. And what's great is because everything in this day and age, Kevin, is so cynical and so negative. It's really cool. To read a manga where the main character is happily married to his wife, who is a sweetheart and loves him. It's like, ah, what a refreshing change of pace, right? Yeah, so, yeah
0: th- th- this isn't like Goku-Chi-Chi relationship. This is a very equal yeah, yeah. cool
1: relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good one. Boys and girls, you don't want that as your relationship. Um, <laughs> and then chapters... Uh, <laughs> chapters 34 35 36 a little a little mini story arc involving Wu Tang new character part of the Chinese Triad I liked it because up until now you know we haven't seen much of Lu's connection with the Triad so it was kind of cool for Suzuki to bring over a character from Lu's past so we can get a little bit more insight into Lu's Triad origins because we we just haven't gotten much of it we we know she is from the Triad we know she is you know the the daughter of the head of the triad but we don't really know a lot of of, of her uh, origins so it's a, neat to see a little bit more
0: a lot of the development for this series has been on shin and and Taru, yes. really like yes. they, they've been the characters that have been the most developed out of out of the entire cast
1: absolutely so it's good to see lu getting a little bit of backstory right and meeting some characters from her past as well that was that was interesting and i liked wu tang because he's very different from what you would expect when you involve the triad right you would think of someone who's going to come in with martial arts and swords and guns and kicking butt and being a real physical force and instead i like that suzuki takes that stereotype right the triad stereotype and just flips it on its head and gives us someone who is not a physical threat at all but is all about the mind and being a true cerebral threat to people and i think the suzuki does a great job showing how this cerebral threat is just as imposing as the physical threat. After all, it is Wu Tang who's able to defeat Shin's mind-reading power, right, yeah. because his thoughts are so elevated and complex. And it is Wu Tang who's able to defeat all of his mutinous triad thugs who want to pull their guns on him because they're tired of his shenanigans, right? And they just want to shoot. Yeah. They just want to shoot Aru Sakamoto and he he, you know, basically bluffs them into into believing that he's sabotaged their guns. If they fire them, they'll blow their hands off, right? Yeah. And off their guns. Smart. And, also,
0: and these in this chapter, also, like, as soon as you hear the words triad style battle, you're like, ex, like, he plays with your expectation of, like, oh, right. All right. So we're going to have to set up the, like somewhere in the city, they're going to have this fight and everything is going to yep. be like three on three on three, or maybe three, or, like, the Sakamoto family against the entire triad that, uh, yeah, plays. And that, that's kind of your expectation. And then all of a sudden, you see this casino setting, you're like, Oh, okay. This is where we're going. All right. That's yes. This is completely different from what we've been getting in this this series, or even chapter thirty three, where uh, Taro yeah. was having to fight the, all these assassins. And then we get these chapters where we're expecting that that same thing to happen again, where Taro and the, like the rest of the Sakamoto family have to fight all, all these assassins again, like like right. he's done so so many times. No, we're gonna go to a casino and gamble and see who wins the and most. And, and so it's like, okay, this is this is cool, like change up for the series.
1: Yes that's the genius of Suzuki isn't it though he's taking something that has all these preconceived notions and expectations right and just totally flipping the script on you and getting you something completely different but 100% enjoyable I was so glad Kevin when I went when it revealed that the that we'd be in a casino that the big conflict would be the second team Sakamoto would have to beat Team triad in a casino like gambling I'm like this is awesome this is so much more fun and so much more different and exciting than just another you know showdown in the warehouse district or by the docks with the triad guys you know what I mean and on top of it because Sakamoto Days is at its heart comedy first action second much like Spikes Family what is the big what is the big game they play in the casino for the fate of Lou Old Maid Old
0: Maid (laughs) Well, and, and also, and also, the great thing about the great thing about that too is just like Taru's trying to use all his assassin skills, and then Wu Tang calls him out and says, yes! "Don't don't try and use your cheating." And we actually see Taru try and cheat with like he grabbed the Joker card in super speed, and then puts it back and gets another card. So it's like Wu Tang even catches him. And he's like. Don't be playing those games. Don't be cheating. I know that you're cheat. You're going to yes. try and cheat with using your super assassin like super assassin skills. Don't do that. So it's like even that, even those right. little things. Because we saw him earlier in the chat, in another in the previous chapter too. Of like he used his skills to get all the chips too. Yes. Like like th- while he was doing uh different different games and stuff like that. So it's it's interesting to see like Wu Tang even calling him out. He, he's like, I know you're going to. Do- I know this is what you're going to do. Don't do that because I'm going to catch you. So it's yeah. like even him. He's right. playing games with Taru and like like tar using his super strength to uh to make force uh, wu-tang to grab the other card even though he got yes! that like, card originally it's like it's little things like that where it's like you, like you said it's like comedy first action second it's and it's yep. does such a good job of using tar like a super assassin skills that we've seen so many times
1: mm-hmm. like
0: in a fun new way
1: and i love how how much of a total i love Lou because she is such a stupid mess and she is such a stupid mess during Old Maid because she has no poker face. She's like crying and snots running down her face every time she thinks Wu Tang's gonna pick the the card she doesn't want him to take. And then when he goes for the one she wants him to take, she's all smiley and happy.
0: <laughs> it is, it's a reminder of how young she still is. Like. Yeah, she's, like,
1: she, like, and just seeing
0: that scene, especially, you're like, yeah, she, she should not be the leader of the Triads whatsoever. No. like, like, I don't know why Wu Tang wants her to be the leader of the She's gonna, she's gonna fail so hard. If she let her grow up a little bit, let her, right. let her uh, get get some adult experience first before <laughs> putting her in the middle of like the Triad family wars that they they get Seriously. into. So, like, she's not ready for that whatsoever.
1: No, no, no. But, like, Wu Tang is blinded by his obvious love and admiration. For Lou, he clearly likes her more than just as a friend.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, and but she's not ready for that stuff. She no, she she no, needs, she, no. she still needs to be. She still needs to mature a lot more. So yeah. And, and again, it's just reminding you that she's not. She's actually a relatively young character. Kind of like Shin. Shin is very yeah, similar yeah. to, Like Shin yeah. is also kind of that same character where he you see him overreact to Wu Tang's yes. like killer thoughts, kind of like he did with when he first met Taru, And every time Taro tries to kill him, yeah. like in, in, in his in his thoughts, like. Kind of Shin reacts the same way with, when he ever reads his like Wu Tang stuff. He's like, "Oh man, I'm I'm super scared." I'm like, "We should get away from it and stuff like that." So it's like Shin and, and, and Lu just kind of balance each other out in terms of yeah. like how much comedy they bring into the series because they're very much opposites of what uh, Sakamoto is.
1: Oh yeah, he's the straight man. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <And laughs> I guess the artwork, Kevin. I don't know how you feel about this, and I I really. And I love Sakamoto Day so much, and the story is so awesome. I will admit to you that Suzuki's art, at sometimes, Kevin, is a literal hit or miss for me. Yeah. Sometimes it looks a little rushed and average. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in other panels, it looks really good. It's weird because there really are. There's some panels where you're looking at it, and you're just like, oh, that's really well done. Mm-hmm. And then other panels, you're like, oh, that's really average and i
0: think it was interesting that we got like the one shop to start off the month with the chapter 33 which i think chapter 33 was the best in terms of artwork because that's yes, like where agreed. he was kind of where we were going back to it of like he was able to do so much with just telling a story in one chapter this is like he, he's like i need to tell the best story possible and also that meant that he gave us some i think the best art in these four in this month was in chapter 33 compared yeah. to the other, other three chapters was like that that was a chapter where we saw like the the best of his style where like we saw sakamoto just demolishing all these assassins while he was still having dinner with his his wife and then him throwing aoi up and aoi's like freaked out expression is like and then like him catching her it's like that that is uh, and that is the art at its best in in this series and then and then the other chapters i would say it's more kind of like typical sakamoto days art that i would expect but it's not Nothing, it's not nothing special until like we get to like Sakamoto actually showing off his skills and stuff, like while he yeah. was trying to cheat and stuff. I think that's mm-hmm. when we see the best of his art. But outside of that, it's kind of just, it, 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 it gets a job done. It's like, it I, I would say, like a lot of, and that's kind of a lot of what Sakamoto Days, again, I would never say Sakamoto Days is the best looking manga. No, it's just kind of, no. it, it's just what you expect from a manga series, but it's not like extraordinary. Like Agreed. we get like in Kaiju number eight or, or like right. Spike's Family, that Spike's right. Family. While it has more like a simple art style, it maximizes that art style to make it look so it looks awesome.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: So, okay. All right. So what would you grade out uh, these chapters for Sakamoto days for this month?
1: Ooh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go eight night girls out of 10 for the story and I will go six night girls out of 10 for the art. So overall seven night girls out of 10.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I think this this was enjoyable raw. Like again, um we, we did get a filler arc and i think i would agree with you like the story is eight Negroes out of ten dark just six Negroes out of ten uh overall again super fun super fun um chapters that we got this month uh for sakamoto days and again just proving that this series is one of the strongest series that you could read out there yep um okay awesome well th- that's kind of where uh, that's where we're going to wrap up this episode of the manga revolution podcast again thank you very much rock for joining me on this episode um next time we'll be covering some news and maybe we're also going to be discussing uh chainsaw man um we were talking about this off podcast we're going to be talking about the first 21 chapters of chainsaw man so if you want to read along with us and yes if you haven't read or if you want to reread read it it's gonna be my first time reading chainsaw man and i know rock oh. has already re- read it before yeah. so i'm gonna have I'll him gladly re-read it, be
1: rereading so. it kevin so, so, I, so, yeah. I i can re- i can reread chainsaw <laughs> man three four five times over
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so you guys could expect that that episode next month and we'll probably talk about star wars visions at some point when they release at the end of the month as well so again next month we got a nice packed month along with all the new chapters that we're going to get and probably some some more manga and anime news so again keep an eye out for that and again thank you very much for joining me on this episode and hopefully everyone has a good rest of your day